welcome to Seize the Day. I'm Dana Greco, and this week we bring you an episode created by students in community-based marine conservation in the Gulf of California, a course led by Dr. Javier Baserto and co-led by me. This is an experiential education course designed to allow students to learn firsthand about community and conservation and how both come together in the context of the marine environment. To do this, the class creates the conditions so students can interact directly with individuals engaging with community-based marine conservation from a diversity of perspectives. We choose the Gulf of California and Mexico as an illustration because of its prominence as a region of high conservation interest and because of its history with community-based conservation. We visit with fishers, conservation practitioners, tourism operators, marine protected area managers, indigenous people, and others to understand how they view, practice, and govern conservation. We hope that this podcast takes you with the students of our course as they confront their own worldviews with those of the coastal communities we visit, and as they consider how different viewpoints challenge the practice of community-based conservation itself. Have you ever had to learn how to use a finicky printer? You know, the one that idles, jams, or just doesn't print? Maybe you need to hit print twice, or give it a light smack on the side. There is a way to do it, and likely, someone in your office knows. No, what you're supposed to do is, first, you do these. Oh, what? And then... Oh my god, you're a genius! The knowledge of how to use a finicky printer in your workplace, or how to drive in a snowstorm, or where to buy the freshest fish, are examples of local knowledge. This type of knowledge equips us to deal with the specific issues of our local environments, and varies greatly from place to place. Local knowledge has important applications for marine conservation. Think about the knowledge of where the best fishing hole is, or where sea turtles go to breed. This information may be learned through experience or passed down through generations of people interacting with their environment. It is not necessarily collected through the scientific method and may be held informally, told through song or story, and unwritten knowledge held only in the minds of those who know the environment best. Indigenous peoples, who have long-standing traditions intricately bound with nature, often hold a unique type of local knowledge, which we'll refer to here as traditional knowledge. For the sake of this podcast, we'll call knowledge acquired through that scientific method, what you may have learned in high school biology or physics, for example, as Western knowledge. Recently, global leaders met in Geneva to negotiate the post-2020 Global Biodiversity Framework. As it currently stands, parties to the Convention of Biological Diversity must, quote, ensure that quality information and knowledge, including traditional knowledge, innovations, and practices of Indigenous peoples and local communities, are available and accessible to decision makers. It goes on, but that's the gist. This is a new trend in the global discourse about conservation. In the past, conservation organizations have operated under the idea that excluding people from precious natural sites is the best way to conserve it. Matter of fact, in the Nature Conservancy, we basically were buying land. This is Jeffrey Bernard, who was the director of the Midwest region for the Nature Conservancy in the 70s. I mean, this isn't isn't necessarily something to be proud of, but we had a big project in the Midwest to buy native prairies, and the big donor wanted each of them 
named after an Indian tribe. Osage Prairie and Waconta Prairie and Sioux Prairie and everything. Never any consultation with the tribes about it. Things are getting better, and the Nature Conservancy has since involved more local communities in the maintenance of natural places. However, the Convention of Biological Diversity maintains that decisions should be made using the best available science. So where exactly does extremely localized traditional knowledge fit in? We are Brittany Tolan, Claire Huang, Grace Jennings, Jie Yi Wong, and Zoe Wong. In this episode of Seize the Day, a podcast from the Duke University Marine Lab, we explore the challenges and promises of bridging local and Western knowledge through a case study with the Comcac people in the Northern Gulf of California, Mexico. As students in the community-based marine conservation course at Duke University, we had the opportunity to visit the remote coastal communities of Quino Bay and Punta Tuica in the Mexican state of Sonora. We spoke with people who have been working to bridge knowledge systems in the context of conservation for decades. First, we will explore how knowledge moves by asking people how they know what they know. Next, we will share a few examples of how knowledge types are applied. And finally, we will reflect on what we have learned over our two weeks in the Sonoran Desert, and where we, as an international conservation community, go from here. But first, let's meet the Comcac. In the northern Gulf of California, the Comcac have been living off the land for millennia. We've been here since the last part of the last ice age, and we watch the sea level rise 150 meters here, and the islands being born, some of them. So this desert, as we know today, is about 8,000 years, something like that, and we were already here, so we, we've been fishing all this time. That was Alberto Mayado Molina, a local government representative for the Comcac community. The Comcac traditionally inhabited the central coast of the Gulf of California, as well as the nearby islands of Tiburon and San Esteban. The Comcac corner of the Sonoran Desert is an extremely rugged environment. Steep mountains dotted in saguaro cactuses slope into estuaries and bays with large, shifting tidal ranges, which boast a biodiversity of bivalves and serve as important breeding grounds for a variety of fishes, reptiles, birds, and marine mammals. However, spurs of violence have streaked this beautiful environment with bloodshed. In 1956, when Ernesto Molina was about 10 years old, he found a skull in the estuary. At the time of extermination or eviction, the part that is now this area, the federal government wanted to evict us, 
and to bring in people from Mexico. Ernesto is describing the many clashes between the Comcac and the Mexican military in the 19th and early 20th centuries, which reduced the population from what once was probably about a few thousand to fewer than 200 people. Ernesto and his family are from a band of the Comcac that lived on Tiburon Island. When he was born there in the 40s, this band was still very much subsisting off of a hunter-gatherer lifestyle. He said his father would run down mule deer, a process that takes four to five days, but that feeds the entire village. According to Ernesto, in 1949, Americans found the Comcat community living on Tiburon and told the Mexican government. In response, the government built schools on the mainland and the last band of Comcat to live on Tiburon left to pursue educational opportunities and the vision of a better life awaiting them on the mainland. Between 1970 and 1978, the Comcac were granted exclusive access to part of their ancestral land and coastal waters, including Tiburon Island and the Infernio Channel between Tiburon and the mainland Mexico. Today, the Comcac have a population of around 1,200, which is evenly split between two towns, Desemboque in the north and Punta Chueca further south. This is the sound of women approaching us with beautiful artisanal crafts in Punta Chueca. From baskets to snake vertebrae necklaces to pouches of salvia plant to tiny wood carvings of sea turtles and dolphins. few feet away, the men of the village are preparing to leave for a day of fishing on the Infernio Channel. South of the Comcac territory, fishers in Kino Bay prepare their boats as well. Depending on the weather and the fishing opportunities, they may decide to travel up the coast and fish in the shallow, scallop-filled waters of the Infernio. Now that you've heard a little bit more about the communities and ecosystems in this region, let's explore how the Comcac know what they know. In Kamkak oral history, the land on earth was created when Hant Kai, the creator, asked the sea animals to retrieve sand from the bottom of the ocean. When all the other animals failed, the sea turtle returned from the depths of the sea with a few grains of sand that became the earth on which we live. Storytelling is a universal mode of sharing and preserving knowledge. Across all cultures, stories about creation, history, and morals play a big role on defining community values and norms. The song you just heard was sung by Valentina Torres. She is a Comcac woman who we had the opportunity to speak with and learn from during our time on Tiburon Island. Valentina grew up in Punta Chueca as the eldest of four girls. As an adult, she has been committed to spreading seeds of Comcac culture both within the community and to the rest of the world. Aprendí de un tío mío, hermano mayor de, de mi papá. Eh, cuenta historias, eh, le gusta cantar canciones, cantos tradicionales, y, y por eso me enseñó. Valentina learned many of the songs and stories she knows from her uncle. Her uncle grew up on Tiburon Island when the Comcac still lived there as hunters and gatherers. He had a passion for singing and telling stories, which, for the Comcac, are often one and the same. We also had the chance to learn from Roberto Molina Herrera, who goes by the nickname Toro Canelo, or Cinnamon Bowl. Toro is a Comcac elder who, at 71 years old, is filled with youthful gusto and a deep passion for singing and dancing. 
In the community, he is renowned for his skills in traditional dance and is often hired to perform at various ceremonies and celebrations. As an active community member, Tora runs an after-school program to teach Comcac song and dance to children. To both him and Valentina, it's imperative that younger generations know songs and stories of their native culture in order to maintain these traditions. Somos literalmente sobrevivientes de un exterminio, ¿no? De... Here, Valentina is explaining the fact that the Comcac who exist today represent a small population of survivors of persistent extermination efforts. To Valentina and Toro, serving traditional modes of knowledge is a responsibility that they owe to their culture and their ancestors because they're all that's left. More than anything, these stories and songs represent survival. Learning through experience is another important mode of knowledge for the Comcac people. Max is a fisherman and father of three, born and raised in Punta Chueca. When he isn't diving for pen shells to support his family, Max is deeply involved in numerous conservation projects. One project he has been a part of is working on whale monitoring in the waters around the central Gulf of California. Max first got involved with the whale monitoring project because he was recognized by researchers for his local knowledge in whale populations in the Gulf of California. He grew up spending lots of time in the water, fishing and learning from his elders. So over his lifetime, he accumulated generations of information about whales. He knows the Comcac names for species as well as their migration patterns and their general biology. When he goes out with researchers to monitor whales, Max contributes vital knowledge that scientists may not know, having only studied them in an empirical Western way. Experiential knowledge is also vital for fishermen in this region. There's no class in school that teaches kids where to fish, what kind of gear to use on certain days, or how to use bioluminescence to fish at night. These are all skills that fishers learn from spending hundreds of hours out on the water, often with people who are more experienced than themselves. Like many small-scale fisheries, Kino Bay and the Infernio Channel suffer from a constant boom-and-bust cycle of overfishing and species depletion. Over the past 60 years, local fishers have overexploited numerous important species in the area, most of which have still not rebounded. Because of this cycle, fishers are forced to adapt to changes in species abundance by learning new harvesting methods, using different gear, or fishing in unknown areas. When it comes to conservation, experiential knowledge is extremely important. Erica Barnett is a mother and community activist from Punta Chueca. Having grown up in the area with a deep connection to her environment, Erica has a strong understanding of the important role that mangroves play in the local ecosystem. Las plántulas llegaban a la orilla del mar, pero pues no veíamos que se regresara con el mar, entonces ahí se quedaban secándose. Y... Ten years ago, Erica started collecting mangrove seeds that were washed up on the beach near her childhood home. Through years of trial and error, she developed a system for growing mangrove seeds in soda bottles and planting the seedlings in areas where she had noticed mangrove populations were struggling. Her knowledge of the environment, which has developed through years of observation, is now being used to maintain mangrove populations for the betterment of the ecosystem as a whole. She has also involved her children and their peers in this project, handing down her passion for mangrove restoration to younger generations. 
In doing so, she's maintaining the sacred bond between her people and the natural environment that has persisted for thousands of years. Now we have an idea of how the Kumkak know what they know. Next, let's dive into how people in this region apply their knowledge in different contexts. In the Gulf of California, the Comcac and local scientists have shared knowledge with each other for years. The Comcac's traditional knowledge ranges from natural history to fishing to artisanry all the way to medicine. During our visit, we had the chance to try a traditional tea made with salvia. Salvia is an herb in the mint family with soft, fuzzy, fragrant leaves. The tea was also steeped in bark from an elephant tree, a short, stout tree with a thick trunk that helps it retain water. To collect these ingredients, our Comcat guides, Valentina and her sister, Hesa, led us to a freshwater spring on Tiburon Island located near their mother's childhood home. The Comcat no longer live on Tiburon Island, but because the range of the elephant tree is limited, they must cross from the mainland to collect bark for their tea. The evening after our hike, Valentina and Hesa prepared the tea for us. I was surprised to see that the tea was light pink, with a floral scent and mildly sweet taste. Valentina told us that the tea is used for medicinal purposes. Salvia has anti-inflammatory properties, while elephant bark is used to treat anemia. During the pandemic, the Comcac have used this salvia tea as a preventative measure against COVID-19. Hesa told us that she's been drinking salvia tea every day since the start of the pandemic. One of her relatives travels to Tiburon Island periodically to collect the ingredients just like we did. We learn more about how the Comcac have used traditional medicine to treat and prevent COVID from Lori Monti, a cultural ecologist who has worked with the Comcac for almost three decades. During the pandemic, Lori worked with the community to create Salud Comcac, a program for COVID-19 care and prevention. Much of the program was focused on providing local health clinics with basic necessities like food and clean water. It's got different layers. One is this first, you know, hands-on care for COVID patients and prevention and making sure the health clinics are working, like there's communication, there's internet now. We got a couple of rooms restored so there was enough room for COVID people and then running water. On top of this, Lori and her Comcat counterparts also created a kit with natural herbs for COVID prevention and the treatment of COVID symptoms. The herbs were collected locally by the Comcat. At the same time we were doing modern medicine and technology, the medicinal plants came to bear really strongly in the whole equation in that the herbalists are like alchemists. They know how to treat symptoms and they have this intuition of how the plants are working with the body. And so among us, we came up with what we call the COVID kit. By using their knowledge about local herbs and traditional medicine, the Comcac were able to effectively combat COVID-19. People that had COVID had this super-duper COVID kit and um, for all of the symptoms. And the plant chemistry behind it correlated exactly with what they knew about COVID back then. And that's the inflammatory storm that actually takes you out. So they have a super plan for that. So people stop dying. Many Comcac, like Hesa, continue to take preventative measures rooted in traditional medicine. However, the Comcac have also taken advantage of Western medicine techniques to further protect themselves. Many of the Comcac are now vaccinated against COVID due to a rural vaccination campaign run by the Mexican federal government. In this community, both traditional and Western knowledge of medicinal techniques have combined in the Comcac's modern fight against COVID. The Comcac's traditional knowledge is not stuck in time. 
it continues to be relevant and adaptable to new challenges. Knowledge can even inspire community transformation. We had a chance to speak with Jaime Martinez, who is the conservation coordinator of the Waterbirds Monitoring Program at the Kino Bay Center for Cultural and Ecological Studies, affiliated with Prescott College in Arizona. As a marine biologist and naturalist, Jaime has spent the past four years working tirelessly to gather data on local seabirds for conservation. Through these efforts, the Waterbirds Monitoring Program has provided enough data to support the designation of Ramsar certification for the Santa Cruz Estuary in Kino Bay. And like protocols in the monitoring for seabirds are like very homogenizado, like yeah, because it's like all the people in the world that are conducting like similar service has to use the same protocol. Okay. In order to compare the data, you you can compare the data if they are like made by the same protocol. Mm -hmm. so the last season, we were working in the update of the Fisher Ramsar for the estuary in the Canal del Infiernillo. The Fisher Ramsar is like a designation of the United Nations, like that says that like a, a, a wetland, an ecosystem of wetland, it has importance for the conservation of nature. As Jaime shared, the Ramsar Convention is an international agreement, like the Paris Agreement, dedicated specifically to the conservation of wetland habitats for waterbirds. By collecting data to support this prestigious conservation status for the estuary, Jaime and his team have opened up new opportunities and funding for conservation projects of all types. On a community level, Jaime believes that informing local fishers and tourists about the natural environment is the key to protecting local species. As part of a community education campaign, he has worked hard to inform people about nesting sites and potential risks that seabirds on nearby islands face from human visitors. The people that like causes disturbance in the, in the island is not because they don't like the birds or they don't care, it's because they don't know. Yeah. And we work, our work is like to help give them the knowledge so they can make decisions in these kind of things. As a result of this outreach work, Jaime has noticed a positive change in local fishers and visitors' behavior towards seabirds and their desire to protect them. And yeah, and now it's very different. Now the fishermen take the people to the island, they talk about the species that are in the island and the people like enjoy it even better than just take a walk in the island or something mm -hmm. like that. And, mm -hmm. and that changed our work. It's not that they don't care about the nature, it's just like maybe they don't know it and they cannot like, protect it. To Jaime, knowledge is the key to inspiring conservation in his community. We just learned how knowledge can foster our conservation mindset and change behavior within a community. Let's now visit a story about how knowledge transformed one local Kino Bay fisher into a celebrated conservationist and community leader. While traveling around the island, we got to know Cosme Becerra, our captain and jack of all trades. Cosme started to work as a local commercial octopus diver as a teenager. As a fisher, he never thought of himself as a conservationist. For many years, Cosme saw the ocean and its wildlife as a source of money for his family. As a fisher out of water every day, Cosme knew about sea turtles were common in the region. But he saw that they were becoming more and more rare over the years. At the same time, he began to notice how many sea turtles were being killed through bycatch and illegal poaching on fishing vessels in the area, including his. 
Yo era, era parte de ese, de ese ambiente. Yo también tuve capturas accidentales, que, que, tortugas que me comían, tortugas, tortugas que salían ahogadas, muertas, frescas, pero las vivas sí las tiraban. Yeah, so, you know, he did a lot of incidental capture too, like, you know, he would pull up his gear and there would be drowned turtles and they would just toss them away. But nobody was keeping an eye on the local population. This was a gap that Cosme thought he could fill. This motivated him to apply for government funding to set up a sea turtle monitoring program. Cosme learned about Grupo Tortuguero from a relative. Grupo Tortuguero is a Mexican organization based in the Gulf of California that works to monitor and conserve local sea turtle populations. Y, y entonces... Pues aplicamos para, para, primero fue como capacitación y, en el 2010 y después como empezamos a trabajar. Formé un grupo de siete integrantes que igual pues éramos puros hermanos y primos. Cosme and a group of six relatives started a local group of Tortuguero chapter and received training in data collection and tagging methods for sea turtles. When the local FDRA gained Ramsar certification, Grupo Tortuguero received additional resources and funds for sea turtle conservation. Cosme uses his skills as a former fisher and commercial diver to find, document, and tag sea turtles. Y, y pues ya en el 2014, ya como un sitio Ramsar, pudimos hacer recursos por medio de Laguna de la Cruz. Y, y, y entonces del 2014 como hasta el 2018, eh, pudimos capturar como 500 tortugas. In four years between 2014 and 2018, Cosme and the local group Tortuguero chapter tagged more than 500 sea turtles in the bay. Cosme's prior relationship with the fishing community has also facilitated a transformation among fishers. Instead of throwing away the sea turtle bycatch, fishers have started to call Cosme to help injured sea turtles. They also sent him photos of tags on the sea turtles they catch. So the proof is that now, if they see us doing a monitoring in the estuary with students, now fishers come approach with a turtle and they give them the turtle. Cosme's unexpected personal transformation from a fisher of all marine life to a conservationist demonstrate how flexible knowledge can be. Pues sí, pues a mí me yo he sentido mucho cambio. In his past, Cosme used his skills as a fisher to extract resources from the local environment. And now, Cosme applies those exact same skills to lead a conservation effort in the community. One that has led to a behavior change in the fishing community itself. A combination of local fishers' knowledge and scientific knowledge has made this possible. Traditional knowledge also has potential to supplement Western knowledge in new ways. Max, the Comcac fisher who participates in local whale monitoring, shared an example of how his traditional knowledge has improved fisheries governance in the Infernio Channel. For example, in La Jaiba, they put a no pesca. Después. A few years ago, Mexico's National Commission for Natural Protected Areas proposed new regulations for the local swimming crab fishery in the region. The proposal limited fishing during the swimming crab's reproductive season. 
However, because the Comcac have fished swimming crab in the Infernia Channel for hundreds of years, Max and other Comcac fishers knew that the swimming crab reproduction season in the channel was slightly different than swimming crab reproduction in other areas. Las instituciones de fuera tienen un, un punto de vista muy diferente a lo que a lo que nosotros conocemos aquí en este territorio. Por eso es bueno que ellos bueno, es bueno que ellos lo que A fishery's closure during the wrong time would rob Comcac fishers of potential income and fail to protect swimming crabs during the months when they were actually reproducing. Plus, local fishermen wouldn't even follow this faulty rule. To address this issue, Comcac fishers contacted the Protected Areas Commission to inform them about their error. Eventually, the commission changed the swimming crab regulation to reflect the species' different reproductive season in the Infernio Channel. In this case, the Comcac's traditional local knowledge about swimming crab reproduction supplemented scientific knowledge and allowed for better protections for the swimming crab. However, this success story was only possible because a group of informed Comcac fishers chose to speak up. If they hadn't taken these proactive steps, the Protected Areas Commission would never have known that its proposed regulation was ineffective. In order to access the full potential of traditional knowledge for conservation, it is imperative that we actively seek out traditional knowledge and integrate it into decisions about resource governance. These stories you just heard about COVID adaptation, water bird conservation, sea turtle monitoring, and swimming crab regulations illustrate that effective conservation requires a bridging of multiple knowledge types. But creating this bridge comes with many challenges. Through our conversations with members of the Comcat community, it's clear that it has become difficult to maintain certain aspects of native culture in an increasingly modernized world. For example, a higher influx of non-Comcat Mexicans in Punta Chueca has brought in more people who don't speak Quinquitan, the native Comcat language. Coupled with the fact that Quinquitan is not taught in school, this demographic shift has sparked fear in older generations that their native language will be lost forever. Without the maintenance of traditional knowledge, we would be building a bridge to nowhere. But finding effective methods to build this bridge is also difficult. Alberto Mayado Medina is the sole representative of Puta Chueca for the regional government, the municipality of Hermosillo. Alberto is an accomplished community leader, author, and scholar. He's kind of a big deal. Historically, the Comcac people have been pushed aside by the Mexican government for centuries. As a result, they have been denied basic resources and representation to improve living conditions and personal livelihoods. The current Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, has set out to change its dynamic by prioritizing indigenous communities and giving them an opportunity to express their needs to the federal government. This is where Alberto comes in. And the president, well, I, I, can't, I cannot imagine more support that a president that has come two times in his three years to my village compared to the other ones that never came in 50 years. And we are working on solutions for the needs of the tribe. As a community representative, Alberto has spent the past six months identifying issues within Punta Chueca and has begun addressing them one by one. By the end of the assessment process, he identified 182 problems within the community. This list includes both basic necessities such as running water and electricity and other needs such as modern medical equipment and resources for the high school. 
Alberto and his staff have been working extremely hard to capitalize on the unprecedented support the Comcat community is receiving from the Mexican government. It's a unique historical moment. Alberto and his collaborators are the first Comcat to have a seat at the table to represent their people. They can now help determine how indigenous knowledge and experiences are incorporated in federal policies and actions. That's a lot of pressure for just a few people to bear. There is payback on that. You get like very tired, you get fat, you, your body pays. But I need to continue, continue, continue. Um, I will go downhill at some point, but not yet. I need to continue climbing and climbing and climbing because the conditions are there, the stars are aligned. Even with the support of others, one person in one moment cannot relieve 500 years of neglect and oppression. Those challenges might seem extremely daunting. What can prevent an entire language from getting lost? Or how do you find avenues to convince the government that your knowledge is valuable? Still, there are bright spots that show how resilient knowledge can be in the Gulf of California communities. Physical places and people can be an important way to form those connections and build dialogues. The Kino Bay Center for Cultural and Ecological Studies is like an estuary where the river of Western knowledge and the ocean of traditional knowledge collide. Prescott College in Arizona started the Kino Bay Center in 1991 as an education center and field station that would foster marine conservation programs and experiential learning. Every year, this buzzing research hub hosts over 1,200 students and scientists from across the world to study ecosystems in the Gulf of California. The staff reflect this intermingling of Comcat traditional knowledge, local fisher knowledge, and science expertise. Take Cosme, the fisher turned sea turtle extraordinaire. He was hired as the boat captain at Prescott and now leads expeditions of students, like us, to continue sharing his experience and knowledge of local biodiversity. Students at the station are also the new generation of linkages between local communities and Western scientists. They learn through experiences in the field, just like contact fishers have learned about their environment for millennia. We met a Prescott student from Mexico City named Maria, who is now spending her second year at the Kino Bay Center. My senior project is a proposal for a sustainable sea cucumber aquaculture farm. So it's like proposing alternative job for the people that are here in the like in the community to be able to have like a job that is not you know extractive that is not shrimp trawling that is not something like that and to create like a relationship with like the fishers and the fish that has like a really high profit in Mexico uh, the sea cucumber is really really highly priced and it's has a very very low environmental impact that's my proposal and what I'm planning to do also for like the next 10 years if it works well. For Maria, community engagement is a lifelong goal and effort. As a Prescott student with training in biology and science, she realizes her unique ability to translate information for the local fishing community's benefit. The thing about sea cucumbers is that it's actually really low tech to build and it's really cheap to install and it's really easy to make. So there's a lot of information available out there on how to make your own sea cucumber farm. Like it's really inexpensive, information is free and for everyone. It's just, it just takes a little bit of skill to be able to like interpret that and take it into the real world, which is what I would like to do. 
but the information is available and it's out there and it's a very common project that's really growing. Jaime, the Kino Bay Center's current seabird expert, is also excited that the center's community education program is training CONCAC and local Mexican kids to become conservationists. Beside the monitoring, we work like with these two community groups. Here is one composed like by young people from the CONCAC community in Punta Chueca. We are like trying to like capacitarlos. Train? Like to train them to in the water bird monitoring protocol. Mm-hmm. So with the hope that they, they maybe in the future can conduct the service by themselves. That's the purpose. They mm-hmm. are like kids like from 12 years old to 23 years old. So you're basically young people from the Conca community. Mm-hmm. And this year we like, we applied the same model to here, to Kino, and we are starting to work with a group of kids. They are on only five, but they really like it. And I like mm-hmm. that they like it. Jaime told us how another goal of the student education program is to encourage peer-to-peer learning among Comcat kids. He hopes that their interest in the birds will also spark curiosity about traditional knowledge. He designed activities that directly facilitate conversations about traditional knowledge and stories about birds between kids and elders in the community. Yeah, because I have seen that in the group in the Comcat community. Like, there are like beginners in the group and there are like people that have have a more experience and they are working with us in maybe more complex monitoring because they they already know like the basic like the ident- identification and that but they can do more and now actually they are like training to the new members we want like to make mm. this connection mm. with them and i know that the the group here in kino is going to be like similar and they are they are very interested in, in the group, and yeah, I think it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Maybe in a couple of years they will be conducting the service yeah. by their own, and I can rest. Yeah. <laughs> and also they have to go to the town and try to ask to the elders if there is like mm-hmm. a traditional knowledge about that bird. Because like this knowledge is like getting lost because some of the kids like are not interested or some of the old people are tired and they don't want to talk about that and we like we made this exercise like in order to promote to them to seek for this kind of knowledge and and there's a lot of wonderful stories about that the comcac have also adapted to new ways of transferring their knowledge to the next generation and to other cultures in fact social media is moving comcac knowledge across time and space Valentina, our compact guide, has become a bit of an influencer herself in Punta Chueca. Eight years ago, she joined Facebook where she started posting videos of her basket making. She didn't expect much of a reaction at first, but her basket making videos have now been played 96,000 times. Within 15 days of posting the video, a national Mexican TV station even reached out for an interview. Talk about a viral hit. Como dos o tres nomás cada año vienen y no... Y no hay visita de esos compradores porque solo porque no reconocen pues no no lo conocen el el arte de la de los contact y por eso ya estoy muy feliz por promover y y conseguir algunos compradores para los contact y y todo es muy muy feliz muy contenta porque ya conocen el arte de hacer las canastas y Valentina just explained why sharing her artistry and traditional knowledge is so important. She's happy that people now know about compact artwork and the amount of painstaking, intricate weaving that goes into each basket. 
People from the outside are interested in supporting the community by buying baskets at their actual value, not bargain prices. For her, Facebook and Instagram are now platforms where she can share the handiwork of other Comcast families. This has been a crucial part in keeping these Comcast cultural traditions alive. The sharing of knowledge in this case is a form of cultural legitimacy. The Comcast also see opportunities for bridging knowledge through their children's education, both at home and in school classrooms that you may be familiar with. People pursue knowledge for different purposes under different settings and circumstances. If you remember, the Comcast loved their original home on Tiburon Island to attend the new government school on the mainland. Nowadays, millennial and Gen Z kids from Punta Chueca are pursuing higher education and professional careers outside of fishing to benefit their families. Valentina proudly shared with us that her daughter is studying medicine in Mexico City. Segura, la Patricia va a ir y cuando termine, cuando se titule, va a venir a ayudar a a los dos pueblos. Yo también dice que va a ayudar a la gente si consigue algo. In Punta Chueca, the health clinic is still divided, literally, between the Western medicine branch and the traditional medicine branch. But Valentina's daughter may be the first one to finally merge the two clinics. Valentina once taught her daughter's traditional medicine at home when they were younger. Now, she says her daughter is interested in combining Western and traditional medicine once she returns home from school. Other Compact youth may be following similar paths by learning new types of knowledge to help their community navigate the modern world. Belinda is an 18-year-old high school student from Punta Chueca who is passionate about studying law. We sat around our camp kitchen during lunch, and Belinda opened up to us about her dreams. Pues, me gustan las leyes y, y pues, quiero estudiar eso porque me gusta. Sí, sí. crees que es importante para tu comunidad, uh -huh. más sí. que todo para ti. Sí, ajá, para la comunidad. Oh. There are currently no Comcast lawyers in the town. Belinda sees this as an opportunity to help her community interact with the Mexican legal system. Yet, a giant question mark still lingers in her plans. Belinda isn't quite sure whether she wants to return to Punta Chueca after she leaves her nest. Perhaps she wants to find new routes elsewhere in the world. So where this knowledge travels with Belinda and other Compact youth is a story to be written in the future. So what have we learned from these stories about knowledge? And more importantly, how can we, as students and academic researchers interested in conservation, continue building this bridge to both protect marine biodiversity and benefit community well-being. First, we discovered how context-dependent knowledge transfer is. The contact people exist in a unique space where their knowledge was isolated from the outside world until only the last century. Their interactions with the environment have developed over thousands of years within a small geographic region in Mexico. And it intersects with Mexican history and pressures of modernization. Sharing this knowledge is a process that takes time and continued interaction and communication, whether it's establishing a turtle monitoring program or foraging for a special medicine to treat a cold. We also learned that some types of information travel better over time and space than others. For example, Jaime's bird population measuring methods are standardized in avian research across the world. So a blue-footed booby scientist from South Africa could check out Jaime's data sheets and instantly understand what he means by nest count or sex ratio. So it's easier for this kind of information that's typically collected by Western scientific methods to be shared and recognized internationally. If you remember, Jaime's bird monitoring projects in the Gulf helped the estuary get international protection status. 
Yet other types of knowledge can easily get lost in translation or be forgotten if they're not kept alive. Oral tradition that relies on language and songs can be forgotten if no one is willing to learn and practice the songs. Local knowledge can also be exploited if it falls into the wrong hands. The resident sea turtles in the Inferno Channel's estuaries once suffered from this. Ernesto, the Comcac elder, told us how word about the special breeding population that only the Comcac really knew about somehow got out. Suddenly, boats from all over the Gulf snuck into the estuary to capture these turtles, causing the population to crash. Luckily, community efforts to protect the sea turtle, like Grupo Tutagero, slowly helped rebuild the population. So knowledge transfer requires trust, reciprocity, and constant maintenance. Recognizing the importance and value of this local and ecological knowledge is simply the first step to applying it to tackle the biodiversity crisis. It's tempting to say we might need a universal formula to integrating traditional knowledge. But no universal formula can capture the complexities of each community, their physical and cultural context, and the specific issues they face. Now, take a moment to think back about local knowledge you might have activated today, even if you didn't have to deal with a jammed printer. What is a unique piece of knowledge you hold about your home or local environment? What about your friends and neighbors? We all have local knowledge. On our last night on Tiburon Island, Valentina sat us down around the campfire to share one last piece of a Comcast story. Line by line, she taught us how to sing a traditional song just as her uncle had taught her. This small campfire moment felt so powerful and symbolic to me. On a small scale, the blending of our voices with Valentina's symbolized the coming together of Western-influenced students with traditional knowledge. By opening up these conversations, you might just find a new way to connect your own lived experiences with other people in your community or with the environment. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Seize the Day. We express our deepest gratitude to our Comcat guides and the staff at the Kino Bay Center for their openness, patience, and enthusiasm in sharing their knowledge with us. And a huge thank you to our professor, Javier Brasurto, and our awesome TA, Dana Greco, for this amazing experience. Thanks for listening to Seize the Day. Today's episode of Knowledges was written and recorded by Claire Huang, Grace Jennings, Brittany Tholen, J.E. Wang, and Zoe Wong. All were students in community-based marine conservation in the Gulf, California. Becca Horan edited the podcast. Our theme music is by Joe Morton, and our artwork is by Stephanie Hillsgrove. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Seize the Day Pod, and don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen. <laughs>